Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to support and resource you towards growth in all areas of life, spiritual, personal and professional. We seek to do this through our Catholic Women's Masterclass, our Catholic Coaching Programs for Women, our online Virtual Catholic Women's Summits and our online courses and resources. If you are interested in finding out about any of these initiatives, you can visit our website at www.geniusproject.co or you can come and follow us on Instagram, genius underscore project underscore daily, or you can check us out on the Genius Project YouTube channel. On this week's episode of the Genius Podcast, we're going to be wrapping up our series of talks on vocation. We've taken a look at married life, we've taken a look at the dedicated single life, and today I'm joined by Bernadette Tui from the Missionaries of God's Love Sisters. Bernadette's going to share her story and her calling to consecrated life. We're going to talk about some of the crosses and how as lay women we can really come alongside women living consecrated life and support them in their vocation. Bernadette has spent the last 20 years in youth ministry. She lives in a retreat centre in Varaville on the outskirts of Sydney where she trains young missionaries, she runs retreats, she walks with cows and she tries to grow veggie gardens and bring people closer to Jesus. This year her ministries included leading the Disciple School of Mission team in a month-long outreach to South Australia, being part of the organising team of Melbourne Summer School and Light to the Nations, and leading the popular MGL Sisters Pentecost Retreat, as well as being a guest speaker and presenter at several youth ministry events and conferences. If she wasn't happily in her 11th year with the MGL Sisters, she would love to have made it as a talk show host, a rally car driver or an RE teacher. I really enjoyed my conversation with Berna and I know that you too will get so much from her wisdom and her beautiful approach to discernment. So sit back, relax and enjoy this conversation with Bernadette Tui. Well, Bernadette, welcome to the Genius Podcast. It's wonderful to finally sit down and be doing this interview with you. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, thanks for having me, Karen. I've been really looking forward to it. So it's great to be here today. Well, I, I know that we've been connecting on Instagram a little bit, but you and I go a long way back, don't we? The, yeah. Yeah. You're a sister with the Missionaries of God's Love order and that order started in Canberra, which is my hometown. And so I guess over the years, we've had the joy and privilege of getting to know you and we kind of come in and out of each other's lives, don't we? Yeah, definitely. And um, I met you in um, when I was a young woman as well. You and um, Jonathan gave talks to me when I was like 21 or really? something. Okay, and then, so yeah, that? You have in to Sydney. Yeah, in Sydney, I was part of a youth group called Antioch and we had a big national meeting. And um, yeah, I had Karen and Jonathan tell me all about love, sex, <laughs> dating and relationships as a young woman. And it was awesome. Wow. Yeah. Was that like the cathedral in Sydney? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. I remember that. That was yeah. a long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. Gosh, I love hearing those stories. It just, um, you just don't realise, do you, when you give a talk, it I guess the little seeds that are dropping for people. Yeah, yeah, and I listened to your talks from World Youth Day 2008 as well. I had them on my iPod, I think. I used to drive around listening to them. Yeah, three parts, I think, whatever it was. Were so on a CD? Um, no, it was iPod Probably by that stage. It was like a download. Yeah, but they're very influential. So you've done great work over the years. Oh. Um, yeah, and Jonathan visited a school I was working at as well. Um, 
Um, so yeah, lots of contact. And then in more recent years, um, through Sisterhood, your conferences, we love coming and um, helping at that and being part of that. That's a beautiful ministry. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Bernadette. Well, the missionaries of God's love, there's the brothers, the priests and the sisters, and you've all had a huge impact on our life and now our children's lives, actually. It's really beautiful to just see that fruit continue. I think I said to Father Ken, I was actually 12 years old when I went to his very first charismatic mass. It's <laughs> mm, so amazing, isn't it? Going back a long way. I remember going with my dad and he'd um, buy me an ice cream afterwards down in Monica. <laughs> and um, he <laughs> Excuse my voice today. It's a bit quirky. But yeah, it's so the Missionary of God's Love Order has been really influential in our lives too. And I think from being a child, now an adult, and now my kids coming through, I'm just so grateful mm. for your vocation and the vocation of all the Missionary of God's Love brothers, priests and sisters, because you're such yeah. a the life of the church yeah well we love that too and it's just very reciprocal isn't it seeing your young ones coming now into the youth ministries that we're involved in and that kind of thing is just such a blessing so yeah it's nice to be together on the journey it is. It, it does blow me away. I remember speaking at the men's conference and all my friend's sons were there. I was like, wow, <laughs> this yeah. is, I just have to do a double take. Yeah. yeah, it is lovely. Yeah. Bernadette, we've been doing this series on vocation. So we looked at the vocation of marriage and last week we explored the dedicated single life. And today I'd love to talk around, I guess, your vocation to religious life. And obviously I would love for you to share a little bit about your story, but We've sort of been touching on, I guess, how we discern vocation, um, some of the crosses and the challenges, because in every vocation, there is also a cross as well as the joys. And then I guess how we as lay women can come along alongside women in religious life and support them in their vocation, because there's this beautiful exchange and we'll, we'll dive into this, but the complementarity of vocations. And um, I think it's really important, like we need to get around marriages, we need to get around single women and also religious women. So I'd love to, I guess, roam across all of those topics this morning. So before yeah. we, we dive in, can you share with me, I guess, a little bit about your story? You came to our talk at Antioch. When did you, I guess, start to discern religious life? What was that first seed for you? Yeah, so I guess my story starts from a Catholic family um, and then we all had been to our parish youth group, which was an Antioch group, and then through Antioch I went to a World Youth Day as well. So I was in um, 2005 in Germany and that was a real turning point for me. I was um, you know, part of a youth group but not really all in until that point. Um, and I'd lived a very kind of normal, secular kind of life until that point as well. Like I'd been dating and... Um, had had different um, experiences, you know, that weren't really, I don't know, I hadn't really given my life to the Lord in a in a particular way until that point. Um, so that was a really pivotal moment for me was World Youth Day. And then soon after um, was when I'd met you guys, actually. And so I was still in that fresh kind of freshly um, had, had my eyes really open to the teachings of the church. And um, I wanted to live my faith much more intently and to evangelise as well. Um, and then I was part of World Youth Day 2008 on a missionary team. So we went around Australia with the World Youth Day Cross and right. we're, telling, yeah, we're telling young people to come to um, World Youth Day. And because it had been such an influential like moment in my life, I wanted to share that with other young people. Um, and that happened to be with um, an MGL priest as well. So Father Chris Ryan, who you know really well as well. Um, and, yeah, and it just a, a great experience of mission. 
And I came back off that um, trip and I'd studied media and marketing at uni um, and had worked sort of in that area and admin a little bit before being on this team. But I couldn't get a job in media and marketing, but I did get a job in youth ministry out of school for, and I was there for about four years. And, um, yeah, and so during that time, this whole time I'm in my 20s, so that World Youth Day was when I was 21 and um, that whole time I wasn't in a relationship with anybody and I was open to marriage or open to consecrated life. And it wasn't until um, I was then about 26 and I went to a like a bunch of weddings in a really small space of time, about nine weddings in six months. And I was like, I say to people, nothing will make you question your vocation if you're single than that because it was very like in my face that all my friends were kind of transitioning into um, their next state of life, you know, their vocation. Um, and I was at a wedding one time and everyone on my table went up to dance with the bride and groom and I remember just sitting there on my own. And until then I was happily single and anyone would say, oh, do you want a boyfriend? I'd just say, not really, like I'm just happy, you know, as I am. But at that moment, I thought, no, nah, I'm really, I need to really discern this because, like, I just kind of felt the pinch of single life and being kind of lonely. And it was only for 30 seconds because one of my friends sent along her husband to come and grab me, drag me up to the <laughs> dance floor, which is lovely. Um, married people take note. We're going to be talking about how to love your single sunscreen friends. So that was a lovely kind of gesture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in that moment, um, I kind of just felt, no, nah, I need to. And someone had said to me, if you want God to answer any of your questions, you just have to go on an eight-day silent retreat. And so I took myself off. I didn't have eight days. I only had five. But I took myself off to Danbury Abbey and Sister Hilda was my director. And we just sort of discerned that, yeah, over over that time. And um, she just put that question to me. Like um, we prayed for a few days. She sent me some prayer exercises. And on about day four, she said to me, tell me what marriage would look like. And I was a bit stumped. I didn't really have much to give her. But when she asked me about consecrated life, I couldn't hold back. I just said, well, I got so excited. And I said, it'd be like how I'm living now, like living with other women. Um, the mission that I'm doing is very similar um, to what you'd be doing in consecrated life. Um, yeah, and I just had this real joy in my heart and that stayed with me for the rest of that retreat and then she kind of counselled me and she said, I think God's calling you. You know, it's very clear to me that that I think that there's a, there's a calling there from what you're telling me. And so she gave me some advice then about how to move forward with that. And, um, yeah, and then the ball just kind of kept rolling um, to send the MGLs after reading one of Father Ken's book and then that joy was sort of... Um, remained with me and right through you know I took my final vows just last year and it was a very joyful occasion and that's been the sign for me that the Holy yes. Spirit is really moving for me in this particular vocation so yeah, yeah. beautiful story that's that's amazing I relate to you when you were talking about going to the weddings I remember in 1999 I think I went to something like 18 weddings in a year because I was nursing in Sydney and back in Canberra and across I was involved in a few different groups it was incredible and mm. similar to you I was single at the time and yeah it's, it's interesting in the early 20s you sort of you drift along don't you in your late teens and there does come a point where you're like oh where am I going here and and who will I go with on this journey and where is the Lord calling me yeah yeah and it's sort of the influence of your peer group then I suppose that there if other people are all making big life decisions and yes. you feel like a bit isolated from that I think that can be a difficult thing or at least it prompts that question I think within you of um to actually bring it to the Lord so I was glad for for that prompting as hard as that might be I think it's a source of pain for a lot of people who um 
yeah, um, who have to go through that um, as well. And um, yeah, but for me, it was the it was one of the prompters to bring it to the Lord. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. I think what I observe in our culture today is just it's very much a self-referenced culture. It's like it's all about me and just being happy. And, and as Catholics, we can still be influenced by that and we can drift along indefinitely looking for the next fun thing to do. But there is a this deeper calling, isn't there, in all our lives, this idea of vocation and the word vocation, you know, comes from that Latin word vocare, which means to draw out, to call forth. And it's really the way in which we live into the fullness of who God has created us to be. And I love that we don't realize that in our teens, that God's placed a unique call within our life, like how we're actually going to call, how we're going to live our universal call mm -hmm. to holiness out in, in which state of life. And it's a beautiful journey to, I guess, own that. Yeah, and just to discover that and, like, I would say, you know, just to follow the source of joy as well, um, that there's things that really bring us alive and it's great to really listen to that. And, um, yeah, there's something exciting about finding something that really brings you um, to life as well. And I think that's what the Lord does when he's calling us because he wants to really inflame that within us mm -hmm. and to, to make it obvious in a way. And as much as, like, we'll talk a bit later about what the crosses are, but I think in those early days there is that real, um, that joy and that sense of wow, this is me, like that I've found what I'm, what I'm made for. And it yeah. fits. It just all fits, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. It's funny. I wonder whether you've had this experience just um, discerning with other women, but sometimes I, I see in people this angst and this pain over they think they might be called to consecrated life or they might be called to marriage, but it's not really what they want. <laughs> and they, they get a little bit caught up and frustrated and um, anxiety over, is this the call God has for me? And there's a real wrestle, isn't there, in discernment? Yeah, I think there is. And I think from my experience, like I'd had this beautiful day at Jamboree Abbey where I felt so joyful. And um, to be honest, then that night I was lying in bed and I just was really then wrestling with it. And I was like, oh, that's like the loser option. Like I, I want to get married. Like that's so much, so much more glamorous kind of thing. And I, when I took that to Sister Hilda, luckily I was on retreat and she said to me, oh, yeah. And because she's so experienced in discerning with people, she said, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's just the evil one. That actually helps to confirm the call that oh. she said that's a really natural progression that once um, after that joy kind of um, fades away or something that she kind of said that sometimes, and for her she said it's sometimes just like the influence of the evil one trying to undermine that. And so she said to me, oh, don't worry about that. That actually just confirms, like in my particular situation, she said that confirmed the call. So that gave me incredible peace as well, that she said it will be turbulent and that yeah. that's from our own flesh as well, like that we'll think, oh, I was thinking, what will people think of me? And, mm. you know, like um, yeah, that kind of thing. But she was also saying there's a spiritual element yeah. to it as well, that we can be a bit up and down and not so sure. Um, yeah, but I think just having that, someone to guide that process obviously yeah. brought a lot of peace for me that I think if you're on your own, then yeah, it is a really anxiety inducing kind of um, reality for people. Yeah. yeah. And, and discernment's very much meant to be done alongside people who are more mature in the faith with that wisdom and insight. 
Yeah, and it cuts through, like I think one of the discernment principles is that you bring things into the light, you know, that the the evil one does want to isolate us and he wants to whisper little lies in our ear and say, you know, maybe we think we're not good enough for a particular vocation or there's fear there and being able to speak to somebody, um, you know, can really help just to bring that all out into yeah. the light um, and share it. Yeah, so yeah, I think that was really a really helpful part. I had a, a spiritual director of my own as well through that time so that was really um, helpful as well, seeing her regularly as well as then being on this retreat. And I got back to her and I said, this is what happened on my retreat. And she said, I've been sitting here for a while wondering if that's really? where you're going. But wow. she didn't want to say anything because she didn't want to preempt it. So yeah. she was sitting there patiently watching it all unfold. So that was then really encouraging as well the confirmation yeah the confirmation yeah Mm. it's lovely because god doesn't you know we don't often hear him audibly but he does speak through people and scripture and experiences Mm. it's nice when all of that comes together it's Mm. the holy spirit lining it up yeah and people are looking at your life people that care about your life are looking at you from the outside and can see different things than what we can perceive i think from the inside too so it's good to lean on that and yeah make use of that yeah. Now I was going to ask you a question around discernment, but I feel like you've answered a little bit. Have you got any other insights for women discerning whether it is consecrated life, whether it's marriage? Have you got any insights for them on discernment? Yeah. Well, I guess the ones that have become apparent through my story is the retreat. So silent retreat. That was literally someone's advice to me was to go on an eight day silent retreat, um, which might a bit too much for people but the principle I think is to take it into prayer you know really pray and for me a dedicated period of time for that was good I'd already been on a weekend silent retreat before so I think if that would be a great starting place for people so that um, prayer um, in whatever way we also say daily prayer like if you really are discerning you've got to get your prayer life sorted you know and be in a really good rhythm and prioritize it Spiritual direction is really great as well for um, for discernment. Um, so those sorts of things are sort of implicit in my um, in my story as well. But some other things that aren't sort of implicit, I suppose, is to be single. Like if you're if you are discerning consecrated life, that like don't begin a relationship with somebody if that makes sense. Like. Um, intentionally like even set yourself a period of time to say okay I'm just going to give myself to the Lord here for me that was easy because there weren't any um people you know that I was interested in a relationship with at that time and I think that was God's little plan um so I think that's important um too as well and I think something that's been helpful for me the whole way along so obviously when you enter consecrated life you're still discerning in a way but I think being alongside other really faithful people that were getting married that were married and understanding the reality of all of the vocations, the crosses, the joys, really helped me to make a um, decision that was based in reality and not based in fairyland or a really romanticised view. And I think people can have a romanticised view of marriage but also of consecrated life. And so I think being grounded in reality I think is really good. Um, Yeah, it's a good part of discernment. It's, yeah. you know, there is that saying the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, but the truth is the grass is greener where you water it. Mm-hmm. But I do think, you know, walking and, and coaching women, there are a lot of women who look at married life and this is what they long for. And I, I do say to them, like, you can actually be more lonely within a marriage 
than you can be on your worst single day. Like it is possible. I have walked with women who are desperately unhappy and lonely within marriage. So it is important, isn't it? Because I, I think we can sit back. I know when I've been to um, Nashville to visit the Dominican sisters who I'm good friends with and sitting and watching their rhythms of life and you would have these rhythms as well. As a lay married woman, I was like, I'm so jealous. <laughs> Like I desperately would love those rhythms for someone just to tell me, like, get up and pray now and do yeah. this now. And But it was interesting because I brought some of that back with me from Nashville. And I thought, okay, how can I, as a lay woman who's married and a mother of three yeah. teens, I guess start to develop these rhythms in my own life. So, again, mm -hmm. there's that beautiful complementarity, how we feed into one another's vocation. And um, that was... Um, very powerful for me actually just yeah bring back some of those things and I know when we've had people who are living consecrated life over to our home you know they really appreciate being around marriage and family too so yeah there's that lovely exchange yeah I think so too and I think that's an important part of the discernment process and then like you're saying also living it as well um yeah yeah to be to be in that but I think particularly for discernment we always just say get really close to um, the, what, the state of life that you're discerning um, and, yeah, get really close to um, the other options as well, married people or that kind of thing. And I, and I suppose the last thing for me too just in discernment was that I read the book of our founder and so really get to know the charism um, and the three little pearls too that Sister Hilda gave me as I left my silent retreat I thought were really wise as well. And so she said, um, go and tell your family first make sure that they're the first ones to find out which I did the second thing she said also was don't tell the world because if you are really newly feel a sense of call and you're telling everybody you might get discouragement from people or it makes you kind of vulnerable and then her third one was don't let the grass grow under your feet so if you're feeling a call to religious life she's like you've got to go and now discern orders are you called to contemplative life? Are you called to an apostolic life? So she was sort of said, you've got to move on that. So I thought all of that was amazing and I put all of that into practice they're, as they're well. Real, they're gold. Yeah, yeah. great she's, tips. Hey, she's yeah. like the truth bomb woman. I've been to her. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So good. Like yeah. it you, there's no holding back. But those three are fantastic actually. Yeah. And yeah. I love what you pick up on there about, don't let the grass grow under your feet because sometimes people can get stuck in this perpetual state of discernment where they can be discerning for like a bazillion years and not take action. But I think discernment, yes, there's a place for contemplative prayer and, and seeking the Lord, but then discernment is also active, isn't it? Mm. And it's actually taking those steps and whether it's dating somebody and realizing that's not for you or whether it's entering religious life or being around the sisters and then sort of realising that's not for you. It's These are steps towards discernment. Mm. It's an active process too. And because then you're listening to the Holy Spirit. Like yeah. I went and visited the sisters and I was like, I fit here. I've got a lot of joy here. Um, I looked at other um, orders and I didn't get past the front page of their website because yeah. I was like, oh, actually, no, that's not me. Yeah. And you so, could just tell. Yeah. So yeah. what drew you to the Missionary of God's Love Sisters? What was the... Yeah. So... The, I think like I knew that the mission was very similar. So I was in youth ministry at the time and I knew that we had a parallel mission and I'd served on that team um, with yeah. Father Chris. So I knew that our mission was very aligned. Then I read Father Ken's book, Radical Way of Love, and he talks about we live a life of prayer, sisterhood and mission. 
um, poverty, chastity, obedience as well, are obviously like the core of our life. Um, and we're living for the new evangelization that we're living under the power of the Holy Spirit, um, particularly poured out in baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, and we believe that's a real powerhouse for the new evangelization to make Jesus known and loved by everybody. And I was already fired up by that kind of charism. And so, um, so yes, yeah, so I think it was a natural progression for me already being working in youth ministry to then come into the MGLs because that charism was who I was anyway. And so there was a sense of a real natural fit there um, for me. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. I love that your story. It's beautiful. And I actually didn't know your story. So uh, that's been fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's it's encouraging because I think that, yeah, over times when I've struggled, we're getting to the crosses soon, I suppose, aren't we? But over times when I struggle, I remember a particular time, I think it was in my early couple of years, and I was really struggling. I was doubting. I was feeling maybe drawn towards marriage, but I had to give a pub talk on my testimony. And so I remember typing out my testimony and I thought, oh, I'm so called here because I could see the way that God had woven together everything to bring me here. And it just gave me a lot of encouragement. Mm. To think, I don't think God's going to give this like left-hand turn, like bring someone into my life that I'm called to leave the MGLs and marry after this beautifully orchestrated kind of discernment process. So, yes. yeah, so I think I draw a lot of encouragement for that. And maybe for women who maybe are at that crossroads in your vocation, that can be a beautiful thing to do as well. Is we say to go back to the first love, go back to, you know, where, where it first came from and um, and how God was moving you know, in your life um, to bring you to where you are. I think that could be a source of encouragement. Such good advice. I know in marriage as well, we, we often, John um, James Dobson often says to people like the key to a successful marriage is to go back and to reignite and to engage in those activities that drew you together in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because there's something about going back to that first love, that story um, where the seeds drop that ignites, I guess, that passion for your mm -hmm. call again. That's yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, the, yeah. The other good advice that I heard, because there's a lot of married women listening to this, I remember um, Father Greg Homing. It was actually where you are at Varaville, that retreat centre. Jonathan and I discerned marriage there, and he sat us down when I think Jonathan had just proposed. We went on retreat, and he said, "Your marriage will only grow in accordance to your individual relationships with Christ and and how much you put in there and." So that was beautiful advice early on because we've always fought for each other to get that time for prayer because we know that our marriage sort of hangs in the balance on how well, I guess, we're walking and how closely we're walking with the Lord. So Yeah, absolutely. That's the source of it all, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So tell me, Bernard, like there's, there's crosses in every season, state, vocation of life, right? I think that saying that the grass is always greener, but... We forget that we are all called to pick up our cross and carry it with grace and God gives us the grace to do it. We've discussed in with Steph Ransom some of those crosses and challenges in marriage and last week with Luann we looked at the dedicated single life. But what about religious life? What are some of the, the crosses and the burdens? Of, yeah, know? I suppose it's interesting to reflect on that. Like I've been in um, consecrated life now. This is my, I think it's my 10th. 11th year in the sisters I've been in for about 10 years and so I think like at different times it will be different but I guess we take our vows of poverty chastity and obedience and I suppose it's um, in a similar way to marriage that you commit to yourselves because you know there's going to be hard times 
we um, make those vows because we know that they can be difficult things to live as well. So I suppose for me and for other women at times, chastity will be, you know, sometimes it's not an issue at all. It's a beautiful thing to just be given to the Lord and he provides really generously. But at other times, um, you know, you're still very much you and you have all of your physiology, all of your emotional needs. And I think sometimes, um, yeah, you can feel like that that's not being met. Um, And I think that um, that can be a real cross. And particularly you might meet someone that you feel really emotionally drawn to or really attracted to. Um, and that you just have to, um, it can be really difficult, I suppose, to, to live with that. And in the early years, I suppose, um, I found that in the early years, I had to then discern. Like I, I came up against that one time and I took it to my director and she said, oh, well, we better discern, like whether you're still called to the MGLs. And I was like, no, I don't want to discern whether I'm called to the MGLs and I just want to get rid of this. Like, But she graciously just said, okay, let's go right through the middle of this. Um, and that gave me a more solidity then to my vocation to know that I'd done a really good discernment on mm. this. Um, so, yeah, so we often talk about how we, you know, can navigate um, chastity and um, that's something that, yeah, we just try to be really proactive with. We try and get our emotional needs met and even your physical needs, um, you know, not getting too lonely or tired or things like that being conscious of where you're getting physical touch from as well um, is important in kind of consecrated Mm -hmm. life and how do you get receive love like when we're giving out a lot and people are relying on us a lot for um, in our ministry it's important to make sure you've got good connection and that um, you know you you often talk about this in um, with women is filling your bucket kind of thing knowing how you receive love and who are the appropriate people to be receiving that love from so um yes I think chastity is a big one especially I would say I don't know for all women I was gonna say for younger women but I don't know that it gets any um any easier that there's loneliness um it can sometimes be a cross of all vocations but in a particular way for consecrated life um I think that's one and then obviously so poverty so chastity also poverty um every now and then that has a bit of a bite to it you know it's really freeing thing as well same as chastity but every now and then it's just like I can't get what I want and that can mean what for one time with me that meant not being able to get to a friend's wedding that was that I was really close to because the flights were just too expensive and um we couldn't do that um so yeah sometimes um, a lot of the time you don't really mind, but every now and then you just think, yes, oh, that pinch. yeah, it's got that pinch. And we do it because to be in solidarity with the poor. So I think that there's a there's a nice aspect to that, but that's difficult. And very connected then is obedience that we're not, um, you know, like a husband and wife um, sort of run their family and they can, um, to a certain degree, I know you're very dependent on what your children are like and all that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they probably run the show more than you would Oh, kind of imagine just their needs yes first yeah yeah Sorry, yeah, yeah but up. but I think it's like if you look over like you're saying the grass is green on the other side yeah whereas for us we're under a leadership structure and we have to be obedient to our way of life and that the day in day out of that can can be difficult and um, we heard a beautiful testimony recently I was at a night conference and sister Mel Dwyer was speaking and she's just been recently sent to Rome she got sent back from Africa at a time that was not of her choosing and we were all like in tears just thinking fire out like what a witness like that's that's the kind of reality as well is that it's it's sometimes you don't get your way you know and um and that's what dying to self in that isn't there 
Yeah, and there's a greater good. You've got other sisters that you have to think about. So, um, yes, I think there's some of the crosses. And then I actually think some of the crosses is just the same as other states of life. Like it's interesting to think that in um, religious life, we struggle with, say, balance of life, you know, commitments, boundaries. Like when do I say yes to someone and when do I really need to withdraw? Um, You know, how do I get the prayer life that I'm called to? Um, you know how much is too much ministry to to take on Um, yeah and there's a lot of demands um, placed upon us and I think in every state of life there's a sense that people maybe don't understand um, yeah what maybe what you're carrying or um, yeah they have like a different understanding of what to expect of you than maybe yeah like unrealistic expectations sometimes coming that people just expect that you can be available at the drop of a hat or that we're just sitting up here on the hill doing nothing (laughs) thing so yeah I don't know know that you're not you're you're always busy all of you so yeah yeah so I don't know they're just some of some of the crosses I'd say um yeah yeah yeah. And tell me, how can, I guess, lay women support you in your vocation? Because I, I, I reference this quite a bit that, you know, there is this complementarity and we're called to come alongside one another and really support each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we live our vocation in community, right? So how can, I guess, lay women support you living consecrated life? Yeah, like I think it's interesting, um, like the complementarity, because some of the things that we don't get much of, I think um, uh, married women and particularly women that have got um, family and children are really overburdened with. So say, for example, I believe that sometimes in in married life when with children, um, women just kind of, they, there's so much um, like people around them and I've even heard women get a bit over like physical touch like from people like touching them and kids always at them kind of thing but I think um that for religious it's sometimes a real joy to come into that and that children are such a joy to be around and that we actually don't mind being in the chaos of like family life because we know we can just like head off again kind of thing so I've found one of the one of the real blessings of my life is and something that a lot of a lot of um, families tell me something easy that they can do is just come for dinner. And I suppose it, it means like just a lot of people said to me, it's actually I'm always cooking for like six people. One extra doesn't really matter kind of thing. And for some people that might be really stressful if, they're, you know, are self-conscious or whatever. But for a lot of people, just coming into the chaos of everyday life seeing the tears and tantrums and just reality of a family, that can actually be a real blessing for um, people in consecrated life because, um, yeah, because we're not sort of around um, children much or that's just a blessing to be in Mm. in family life as well, I think. And um, we're in Disciples of Jesus as well, which is a covenant community. So we actually have sharing groups with um, other women, um, lay women, married women, single women. And so I think like sharing the realities of life is really good for us to hear as well. But also hopefully it's reciprocal that, um, yeah, like I said before, sometimes we can have unrealistic expectations or think the grass is greener. But when you hear, when I hear the, the depth of what people are struggling with in married life, um, or single life, and people hear my story, I think that it, it erodes some of that um, you know even some of like you were saying before some of the envy of like oh the sisters are off on retreat again or they're on (laughs) holidays again and it also helps us to see wow we are really fortunate to 
have that weaved into our life. Um, for married women, going on holiday isn't much of a holiday, I'm no, sure, because you're looking after every holiday from the holiday. <laughs> from the holiday, exactly. Yeah. So I think being in touch with that really grounds us. And um, yeah, I think we all need to sort of just yeah, just walk with each other in the reality of, of what's happening. So, um, yeah. So, Verna, I would love to just finish off talking about this concept of spiritual motherhood because as married women, obviously I've gone on to bear my own biological children, but I'm also called to a spiritual motherhood of them and other women. And consecrated women have this call to be spiritual mothers, but it's not limited to consecrated life or to married women. All women are called to this spiritual motherhood. I'm wondering if you can give us some insights into how, I guess, women can grow in their capacity for spiritual motherhood. Yeah, I think that's a really beautiful part of our vocation too. And even going back to how you were saying about your children and now in some of the ministries that we're um, a part of. And I think like the reality of family life, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a young person. And I would see that we're trying to work in conjunction with families as much as possible, like that we know that um, parents are still the most influential factor on whether their child will grow up living a life of faith as well, um, that obviously their peers are really influential as well. But we think that there's something really beneficial about um, having other adults, other really mature people along for the ride because sometimes, uh, you know, children, adolescents will get to a a stage where they can't hear it from their parents that they need to hear it from somebody else but it'll be reinforcing what their parents have said all along um so i feel like that's a real privilege to um, be in that position with people and i also think like there's a lot of woundings in people from their fathers from their mothers as well um, from life in general and so i think that there's a lot of people that need that maternal care and often we're in a position to provide that um, and to sort of support the upbringing of their, you know, their family upbringing, um, but also just to, we're just placed in unique positions. Like I remember one time we went into um, a juvenile justice um, prison and I can't remember exactly the context, but all I remember was that the prayer exercise that the sister had um, planned for the day was that the young men would select a flower. We brought in all these flowers and they'd select a flower as their response. And I do remember going in thinking, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'll just run with it anyway. Yeah, yeah. And the young men just responded so well and they all picked their flower and it was a symbol of, I don't know, even what the exercise was, but I was surprised that they entered into that. And I, I was talking to someone else about it later. It was one of our MGL priests and I told him about it and he said, well, that was probably their only um, experience of tenderness mm. in their day, maybe even in their whole week, that you as women came in and ministered an experience of tenderness to them. And I just remember thinking, wow, like these are young men, they're all under 18 that, you know, obviously are um, might not have a great relationship with their mum or are missing their mothers. And so we could really minister something of the maternal heart of God that, you know, Mary's maternal heart for them in the flesh, face to face. So I think there's a lot of um, opportunities that we have to really be mother to people or even to be sister to people, to be on the journey walking alongside them and always complementing what their family's doing, never being a replacement for their biological mother, but just um, being part of the village um, of the kingdom of God that's really helping to bring life to people, which is what mothers do. 
Yeah, I love that. It's so nice. My kids sort of going off into these environments and I just have full confidence <laughs> in yeah. all of the people around. But, um, yeah, it's beautiful. Now, tell me, Bernard, you are living up in Sydney at Varaville. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the retreats that the Missionary of God's Love Sisters are running now? Yeah, I was just saying earlier, we're so excited because we've just um, been placed in this retreat centre. So we live at Carmel House, um, which is just up the road from the main retreat centre. And in 2022, we ran a program of um, about four or five different retreats here. And in 2023, um, we'll be doing the same. So um, yeah, last year, we released all of our dates on the 1st of January to get people ready for the new year. So we'd be hoping to do the same um, for 2023. So this year... Oh, sorry. Find, where can people find those? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got an Instagram um, account, so at MGL Sisters, and we're also on Facebook. So our Facebook was called Missionaries of God's Love Sisters. So they're the best places to get the really up-to-date um, kind of information about what's coming up, um, yeah, especially for our retreats and all the different ministries that um, we're part of. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for your vocation, your yes to the Lord and just the beautiful way that you serve. And I look forward to um, walking with you over the next few years. Thanks so much for having me, Karen. And yeah, many blessings on your beautiful ministry. You're doing great things for the lives of women um, all over the place. So yeah, it's been great to be with you. Oh, thanks so much. Well, that brings us to the end of our mini series on vocation. I really hope and pray that this has given you, I guess, some insights and some ideas on how we can come alongside one another and accompany one another in our individual vocations because we live our vocation out in community. And so we need one another to really grow into the fullness of who God's created us to be. And I really hope and pray that this conversation really blessed you this week. If you'd like to go further with this content, if you'd like to explore some ideas on how you can discern, how you can live into the fullness of who God's created you to be, perhaps you're stuck and you just don't know how to move forward in your life. If this is you, I'd love to invite you to come and join us and check out our Catholic coaching programs for Catholic women. You can find out more about our coaching programs at www.geniusproject.co. If you've enjoyed what you've heard on this week's episode of the Genius Podcast, can I invite you to go onto your podcast platform and leave a review and a rating. This really helps to support the work of the Genius Podcast. So over these weeks, we've explored how we live, I guess, our universal vocation, our call to holiness out in these three different states of life. Next week, we're going to be looking at another layer of vocation, and that's looking at how we can discover our individual vocation and how we can find and I guess use and activate our gifts in mission and service. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week. God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you back here on the Genius Podcast next week.